Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On episode 43 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, join the therapy session as Adam, Jeremiah, and Lou talk about the West Ham match against Burnley, what changes need to happen, and if there's any faith left in the manager. Then we end the episode as we always do by answering some Hammers Pulse questions. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. It is episode 43, and uh, the excitement in my voice is more because work is over and not because West Ham are on a bang set of form right now, but uh, we'll get into that in due time. Uh, with me, as always, is Jeremiah. Jeremiah, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's uh, it's the international break, so we can't uh, we can't lose, so... That's a good a good point of note, I guess. That being said, <laughs> uh, as we're recording this, the only West Ham player to be in the England Montenegro match is uh, Siad Haksabanovic, and his side is down six nil as we're recording this right now. <laughs> uh, and he took a ball to the face and had to walk off with the training staff. So somehow yes. West Ham always find a way to lose. Isn't that the way it is? That's hilarious. It's probably like the bad luck's just following him wherever he goes. Exactly. <laughs> Although everyone's saying he, he should get a shake at the first team, so who knows. Um, anyways, anyways, I always thought that Marcus Brown would be the one to step up and take that spot instead of Haksabanovic, but uh, now he's gone, and who knows what's going to happen because I have no idea who our best team is, which I guess is how we'll, we'll, we'll start things up here. So West Ham lose 3-0 to Burnley, and... Is Burnley becoming our like action team? Because last time, maybe not last time we played them, but the, you know the big fan uh, burn, big fan blow up was against Burnley at home with the flag being taken and stuck in center of the of the pitch. But now we have you know questions about Pellegrini getting fired, and it's at the hands of Burnley yet again. Uh, let's start with the lineup here, Jeremiah. I'll uh, I'll throw it out. Starting from the back and going forward, it was the same old 4-1-4-1 formation. Roberto in goal, Cresswell left back, Diop and Balbuena at center back, Fredericks at right back, 
Uh, Declan Rice holding midfield. In front of him was Felipe Anderson, Mark Noble, Pablo Fornals, Robert Snodgrass, and Sebastian Allaire. What did you think of that when we went into the match? I mean, kind of like we talked about last week, I, or you were joking against the uh, Newcastle match about, like, you know, the best thing to do is keep the same starting 11 that you <laughs> drew against Sheffield with. And it was kind of, it felt the same. I mean, there wasn't a lot, a little bit of change. There was a little bit of change, but a lot of the of the negative parts, like Balbuena starting and, and things like that, that the formation didn't change. That was, it was kind of just a negative outlook. I thought instantly, though, if we want to talk just instant reactions, seeing Pablo Fornals' name on there, and not slating him or or not bringing him down, but him and just his his size alone and the fact that he hasn't fared well against players that are bigger than him going against Burnley just seemed like it was going to be a nightmare, and it really ended up being that way. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more I can I can say than what you brought in there. It was it was a bit of a uh, almost predictable ending here. I, I, not to say that you know Burnley are miles ahead of West Ham, but right now they kind of are. Uh, this game started in, in a weird sense as well because uh, Andre Yarmolenko got into the game 20 minutes into it because Mark Noble was taken out with a twisted ankle. Uh, looks like he'll be back for the Spurs match, says ex-West Ham U employee. But uh, Yarmolenko comes in off the bench. Snodgrass moves to the middle of the pitch. And uh, at that point in time, West Ham had already been down for nine minutes because Ashley Barnes had, had you know, tapped in a, in a super easy, you know, just literally the easiest goal you could draw from, from six yards out. Um, again, it comes at the hands of a set piece. And he was completely unmarked too. I mean, nobody was around him. And we had talked about that. And it's not just like it was a, it's not like it was unknown. I mean, Ashley Barnes um, is not the flashiest striker out there. Chris Wood, same thing as his partners. They're not flashy. They're kind of like the Bash brothers, but they seem to get it done. I mean, they seem to have kind of a way about them. And, Take their and chances. yeah, that, that goal, man, he was completely, nobody was around him, completely unmarked. And just once again, yeah. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was Balbuena's man. Uh, De- Declan Rice covered the back post and lost the header, uh, which dropped right to Barnes' feet. But when you look at the play, Rice goes up for the header. Standing almost in the exact same footprint of him is Fabian Balbuena covering the same man. So mm-hmm. Barnes was left open, who is, again, he's not the biggest striker in the world either. Woods has a lot of height to him, or Woods, sorry, has a lot of height to him. Mm-hmm. Barnes is a little bit more bulkier and, and shorter but he's he's a he's a hound in the box he had a great start to the season and, and he picked up a goal here uh Tarkowski won the header in the first place over Rice uh and Mark Noble comes off and and I mean normally we see when Mark Noble comes off West Ham look less organized they look like they don't know where to go maybe lack of motivation on the pitch but they were they weren't showing like they were a well-composed team before that um, do you think it comes down to them knowing the best teams not being picked, or what do you think is going on inside the, the psyche of, uh, of the West Ham players? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I think uh, they, you know, you say you play sports, and whenever you're kind of down, you kind of can all get in that rut. And I feel like even a solid player like Noble, who's a, a team kind of leader, when he goes out, it, it's gonna it's gonna affect your psyche. And that's normally what I would say to be the case. Except Noble's been He's been kind of in, he's been playing during this rut and nothing's really been getting changed. So I don't know if that's the case. Maybe it is, you know, once one player starts getting down, it kind of affects the rest of them. You can literally see, I feel like you can watch the match and see that they just don't care that they're out there right now. Like there's not a one player, maybe Declan Rice, but really nobody else really seems like they just want to care. Like they want to be out there. So I don't know if, 
I don't I don't know what that is. I, I don't know where it started. I don't know if it started from one player. Maybe it started from I don't know Anderson or somebody like that. I don't want to pinpoint anybody out, but I mean, and honestly, maybe it started all the way back like two months ago, whenever Roberto came in. I mean, it could have been something like that that just kind of slowly trickled over time of people not caring as much and that just affecting everybody. And then having you know manager and a backroom staff that aren't poised to kind of motivate people and kind of get them going. I mean, Pellegrini, we we all talked about, he's a great manager. He can be. He's he's not the kicking and screaming and yelling and in your face type of guy, but maybe you know his just kind of lackluster approach to it has fed right into this kind of negativity. Yeah, you don't see much emotion out of him, and, and you know, maybe that's exactly what the team needs right now. They need someone to grab him by the collar and 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 sort of whip him about the ears. But yeah, I I don't know what it is about the psyche, but that's the thing. I think think there's a ton of pressure on the entire team because they know if they let a shot on goal, chances are it's going to go in. And once that happens, their heads drop because they know that they're not going to keep shots off the keeper for the rest of the match. And now they're already down. So it seems completely like, like the, I don't know. It seems like the entire, uh, the entire team is, is completely fragile mentally right now. And they don't know. I, I feel like every supporter knows a better 11 than gets picked every single week. But again, Fabian Balbuena <laughs> was picked in this game after having a nightmare in the match prior. And Angelo Ogbonna is, is sitting there doing nothing. And and you've written a piece about Ogbonna and Mazuaku not being on the team sheet. Or sorry, not uh-huh. being um, not being picked for this match. And, and Mazuaku wasn't even on the bench. But you look at the likes the of Carlos Sanchez. Like the, he, he was on the bench. How does that make sense? Just looking at it here. On the bench for West Ham, Pablo Zabaleta a player who I guess you want in for defensive coverage. Andre Yarmolenko, Manuel Lanzini, Carlos Sanchez, Angelo Ogbonna, David Martin, Albion, Najedi. Okay, I can see every one of these players coming on the pitch and making an impact except for Carlos Sanchez. Realistically, right. Pablo Zabaleta could step in and play defensive midfield if the team required that in a pinch. But mm-hmm. between the likes of uh, Noble, Rice, Snodgrass, and like I said, uh, Zabaleta, even if, you, even if you were in dire straits, you could push Diop into the midfield bring on Ogbon as a center back there, there are options you would take that every sane person that's not Manuel Pellegrini would take <laughs> over putting Carlos Sanchez in the team he just doesn't have it he's stealing a living right now and he really is and it's you know it, it's just so deflating when an hour before the, the match starts we see this team come out same formation same players in key roles okay Snodgrass stays in but Snodgrass was in form in the middle of the pitch so what does Pen, what does Pellegrini do he puts Fornals in for no reason in the attacking midfield role. And Snodgrass is out wide on the right. And he's always performed better when he's in the middle of the pitch. He did for Hull City and he did for Aston Villa there. So he needs to roam around. And unfortunately, he can't do that. And actually, when you watch the match, how many times did we see Aaron Cresswell at the corner of the box and Snodgrass overlapping with him on the left-hand side because Anderson roamed to the middle and Snodgrass needed to get in to do something? But right. it's just it's it's just completely kind of ridiculous when it comes to this team being picked and I don't know like I said I don't know if it's the players taking it on or maybe it's just me and my frustrations but I I get nervous an hour before the match and then (laughs) I get depressed 59 minutes in front of the match because it's the same thing uh, over and over again so I I I don't know what it is about this team on paper this this squad has all the skill to be able to you know, run over a team that has, you know, a midfield that consists of Jack Cork and, and Westwood. Like, that, that that's not a midfield that should shut down our, atta- our attack. Ben, me, and Tarkowski are, are solid players, but they shouldn't be players that shut down Sebastian Allaire and Pablo Fornals 
And again, mm-hmm. Bardsley got into a game, which was an odd selection according to the uh, to the online presence of Burnley. And Felipe Anderson couldn't do anything against them. And nope. I, I wrote about it online, just on our Twitter account during the, during the match. Anderson is the you know he he loves taking on players. He loves dangling. He loves dribbling, getting the ball past his, his man, and you know beating them with speed or or with skill. But he makes it past Bardsley, and now you have one of their midfielders closing in on him and one or two center backs as well because there's no presence in the midfielder attack. So mm-hmm. it's crazy that you know we see players like Anderson get so isolated. And at the same time, you know, Alaire isn't doing enough to pull defensive coverage just because there's no threat there. And I think I, think I saw a little tick pop up here that Lou has joined us here. Are you in here, Lou? I am. We are mid. Apologies for being late. It's it's all good. It's all good. You've missed um, just the beginning of the therapy session, so I'm sure you have your own uh, <laughs> <laughs> your own opinion. Sat in here, uh, Lou. I, we Jeremiah and I were chatting about it here. Um, when you saw the team selection come out, a four-one-four-one, similar players. Snodgrass moved for Fornals to the to the wide spot, and, and Bob Wayne is still in the team. Were you disappointed when you saw that? Did you want to see a new formation? What was your mentality when that team was picked? Yeah, uh, I think most people were crying out for a bit of support to Haller up top, whether that came in the form of um, Ayeti or, you know, Lanzini playing closer up to him. I'm not sure, but it was quite uninspiring and it just makes you think Pellegrini's learned a few lessons over the last few weeks. And this six-game run that we're on now, he doesn't seem to be changing anything. And that is the most worrying thing for me, uh, along with his team selection, as in terms of personnel, with Balbuena consistently being in the side now over Ogbonna, who would... Well, I don't think I'd done anything to warrant getting dropped and was probably our best defender this season. I completely agree with that. And it may come down to the fact that the team hasn't been constructed so there's competition in all these positions. And and Jeff wrote a piece today about, you know, six things that Pellegrini can look into to to help motivate the team over the international break. And one of those pieces was... uh, was opening up every position on the squad for competition. So if Felipe Anderson's not playing well... Guess what? It's going to be Nathan Holland that steps into there because he's been excelling at the under-23s. Or if Sebastian Allaire can't do enough on his own, well, maybe it's time for Albion Ajeti to get the start up top or a different formation to be used. Maybe a false 9-4-3-3 with, with Ajeti in the middle and, and you know two deep wingers with Holland and Yarmolenko or someone else on, on the right-hand side, Antonio, if he's, if he's fit. There just is no competition right now. And then we see the positions where there is competition, like left-back and center-back. And the same people are being chosen every time. And you know, Lou, we'd already we'd already talked about it, but Arthur Mazuaku's not even on the not even on the bench for this match. But yet again, <laughs> Carlos Sanchez is. So I I would much rather abandon the formation than put Carlos Sanchez in to make it work. You know what I mean? Like, there's just no world where that should be the way it is. And I think, and I, and I want to get your guys' opinions on. I'll start with with Jeremiah here. Is there a lack of English core on this team. We have Rice, we have Noble, we have Cresswell, uh, and and that's pretty much it right now. Fredericks, I guess. Uh, sorry, I, I looked overlooked him, and you know David Martin, who apparently is a literally a, a player cutout because he declared he was come out and said that he 
a very confusing statement about him not being able to play matches according to his contract. I don't know. Anyways, there, there's not enough West Ham. There's not enough English core on this team. It seems like we're relying on a Paraguayan and a Frenchman and a Spaniard and a Scotsman and another Spaniard and a Brazilian and another Frenchman to be doing a job that, you know, we just got bashed in by by a team that's, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of their starting eleven are English players, and they play a little more physical. They play, they, you know, they're more, they're more, you know, prepared to play the English, the English style of football. Is there maybe like an identity crisis at the club right now, Jeremiah? What do you think? I definitely think there's an identity crisis. I don't know if it has if it has to do with that or not. I mean, you're absolutely right. You you see clubs like like Burnley, and you could look at a couple other clubs. You can look at Bournemouth, and um, I know there's a few other ones that are predominantly pretty heavy on the English side and they seem to play better with teamwork. So maybe what that is, is maybe, maybe there is a language barrier of some sorts. I know most of them, I think all the guys speak English, although that might be broken English, but they still at least speak it. So there's going to be that, but maybe there is that kind of, you know, that has popped up to be the case where there is a language barrier between even maybe even the manager and them. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some type of identity crisis, not on what it is. And it could be too. I know we were talking about right before Lou, you popped on of just kind of like how the team's set up every week. And it all kind of flows together for me. There's the identity crisis of that. There's identity crisis of maybe there's a lack of confidence. There's no competition. And then you hear stories about Pellegrini coming out and being like how he's been playing Balbuena. And we all heard from X on their podcast about how, he started Balbuena because he felt bad because he had a good run of form last season, but he hadn't had any time this year, so he started him because of that. That all comes into play, too, because what if other players, he's doing the same thing for, we just haven't heard about it. There's a whole, I mean, there's a laundry list of something, but there's definitely some sort of crisis going on. I don't know if it, I mean, going back to your question, I don't know if it directly reverts to where they live, where they're from originally, but... Because um, you see a lot of other good sides out there, Man Cities and Liverpools that have they have a solid English core, but they're from all over the place too. Um, that can play pretty well. So I don't, I don't know if it's that or if it's just the mixture of everything we've been talking about. Lou, what, what are your thoughts on the, the team construction? Is it is there enough of an English core here, or do you think that contributes to the way the team's been playing? I mean, no, I don't think you can point it to that specifically. I mean go back six, seven weeks ago and nobody would even be bringing that point up when we were winning games. So I don't think it should really be a talking point. You know, now we're on a bad run. We've still got, you know, we've got a mix. We've still got English players, but obviously we've got a lot of uh, Latin and Spanish players. But like you say, plenty of other teams have that kind of mix and it isn't, really, you know, works negatively for them on the pitch like it has for us, rec- for us recently. But I guess you could, if you were to go down that route, you could say it stems from the manager. And in terms of getting his sides physically, you know, to physically impose on certain games like the Burnley one, and countless others over the last year or so that he's been here. I'd say his sides have never played that way. Um, and he's only ever managed other, one other side in England, and that was Man City, and they had the resources to play 
you know, beautiful football that he wants us to play, but maybe we just don't have, you know, the facilities and the players to overcome that kind of fixture. Like when we take on the Burnleys and Brightons, or, you know, sometimes better football will overcome that kind of physicality, but we just don't have that in us at the moment. Yeah, it seems like it seems like the team doesn't really know how it wants to play. Like you see these Pellegrini teams, and, and like you said, he he was he was bankrolled at Manchester City to put together a team that plays the swick, slick, quick, attacking football, possession heavy. And then you look at West Ham, and, and you know the the team has a lot of quality in it, but you're buying unknowns. You don't know how Alaire is gonna gonna you know fit the mold here. But for analysis, for one, spending twenty six million million pounds, sorry, on a player who has never played at this level before is a gamble, and it's not one I don't think anybody's ready to give up on it. There's a few people who, who want to claim flop, but, I mean, he's, what, 21 years old and just came off of lighting <clears> up the, the World Cup for Spain. So uh, I, I don't want to write him off, and I don't think a lot of people do either. But you look at Felipe Anderson. When, when the focus was on him being an attacker last season, he got in front of the goal, and he, and he scored an assisted goal. It's when the emphasis this season has been on him playing defensive coverage a lot more. He's been nowhere near the goal, so I don't know if it's if it's as easy as saying, like, you know, let your attackers attack, let your defenders defend. But this team's not good enough at either end of the ball right now that you can't have <laughs> extra, you know, extra cover from from the alternative players. Likewise, we're, we're relying on Fabian Balbuena to to score a goal against uh, in, in our last match against Newcastle to try and pull us back into a game, and he had a couple opportunities. But where's Alaire? Where where's Lanzini? Where's Felipe Anderson? The guys who should be scoring goals, not off of just set pieces. So I I don't know. I can't. I cannot put my finger on it. I don't know how to classify this team's problems, but there certainly are problems here. Uh, Lou, I'll start with you here. Do you think there's going to be a massive set of changes for the uh, upcoming match against Spurs? I would like to think so. I think most people would like to think so as well. But uh, based on Pellegrini's, you know, reputation over the last, well, over the last month or so, then um, I'm not so sure. I mean, you mentioned Masuaku before. I think I think he'd be, you know preferable in the left back spot for example in terms of style of play because they they've got a weak link at the right back spot at the minute uh, is Oreo is Oreo still banned for this you know I, I don't know let me let me look it up go, go on I'll look it up if 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 he is then he can certainly be targeted by and doubled up by Anderson and Masuaku but you just have the feeling that he'll stick with Cresswell Mm. Uh, no matter what, and if he doesn't drop Balbuena after you know that shambolic showing it at Burnley, then you really have to start questioning things. But I really hope. Uh, that I heard a little thing that uh, Martin Noble said he was going to be fit for the match, and mm. I think he will certainly be. You know, he's been really off colour over the last few weeks. But, you know, when Tottenham come to town, he more often than not turns it on. And I think he will, you know, show the the foreign contingent about what 
this fixture really means to West Ham. And hopefully he can put in another Man United kind of performance. Yeah, Jeremiah, do, do you think that, you know, Pellegrini is going to buckle to the pressure on him or do you think he'll stick to, you know, that, that system that he likes to play and doesn't like to waver from at all? I mean, prob- unfortunately, he'll probably stick to that system. I mean, whether it's the same players or not, um, I hope not. You know, I hope we see Ogbonna in there. Uh, for me, Crest or Mazawaku, they're kind of, I mean, definitely Mazawaku's got more pace and he seems to play better at certain times this year. But, I mean, realistically, it could be six to one and one half dozen the other on that position. But, yeah, I mean, Ogbonna's got to be in there. Filling in for Lanzini, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Fornals is, I don't think Fornals would be up for that. So maybe if Wilshire can come back, but still, it's the same. Like you, it's almost with Lanzini being out, maybe it'll force him to switch formations. But he's just been so stubborn and this whole year of keeping the same kind of formation and same kind of setup. And we know he switched a couple times last season out of necessity. So maybe this necessity will force him to switch something up. But something needs to happen and. And hopefully, at least, he realizes that, you know, this potentially this bad run, if it keeps going, could be the end of his managerial career at West Ham, um, potentially. So, yeah, I I would hope, but really, realistically right now, I don't think the formation is going to change, but the players might. That's a fair assessment there. Yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I that's the thing. Like, it, I don't want to – I'm, like, being hopeful when I say that I want it to change, and I think I was listening to TalkSport – I think they're talking about why this team, why is this team not playing a four-three-three? Fill out the midfield with three players. Let your attackers stay committed high. Use your wing backs with speed, Mazuaku and Fredericks. That is to go up and down the wings there, and then collapse back on defense. It, it's it's easy to say on paper. I know I understand that, but like mm-hmm. West Ham are a team that should be able to play that type of football and you know simplify things a little bit. Just play the way that you should play. Um, I'll, I'll start with myself here. I want to get your guys' opinion as well. If you could, if you could see West Ham play one formation for the next five matches, uh, what would you want that to be? Myself, it would be a a three four three, uh, three center backs in. Winston replayed forty five minutes today and was apparently fit, so if he can make the bench, I would have uh, Diop, Agbana, and Balbuena start. Have your wing backs or what, like extra wide. Fullbacks basically be uh, Mazuaku on the left and Fredericks on the right. And in the midfield, uh, I would have Declan Rice, obviously, as one of the one of the midfielders there and Robert Snodgrass as the other one playing that box-to-box. And then at, at, up top, I would have Yarmolenko, Allaire, and Felipe Anderson. Just keep them committed forward. Let the midfielders and the wingbacks collapse in and just see if there's anything we can capture with that type of formation. I don't know if it would work or not, but I, I'm... I'm at my wits end with four one four one. What about you, Jeremiah? Yeah, I would go with the four three three, like you kind of previously talked about. Um, definitely want to put Mazawaku and Fredericks to kind of be those wing backs, and um, definitely bring Ogbonna back in. It's good to see that Reed is apparently, I don't know what I what I saw, maybe ninety percent healthy is something that I saw pop out. And like you said, he's playing for New Zealand or he's on the squad anyway. Um, the three in midfield, I guess, depends on who's healthy and what's going on. Obviously, you have to have Declan. You probably throw Noble in there. And then, I mean, Lanzini possibly. You have a whole mixture of them. But with Lanzini being out, I mean, that's another opportunity for Wilshire to come in if he's going to come in. And he's actually going to kind of live up to what he's supposed to. And then your three up top, you're going to have Allaire, Anderson, and Antonio, hopefully Antonio. So 
they'll be able to get up in there, stay committed to the attack, like you said. I love four three three. You see it a lot in the German Bundesliga. You see it a lot in uh, the Netherlands and other places. And it's just a maybe it's not the same skill as the uh, EPL, but it's, it's fun. It's fun to watch kind of constant attacks like that and, and just keep the ball pressing and going. And uh, yeah, I would love to see that. Lou, what do you got? What, what's your desired uh, lineup for the team? Yeah, I think you put a fairly strong argument that I, I've been thinking about myself over the past few days with the five at the back or three at the back, depending on you know how you look at it. But I think it would give us, well, hopefully give us, you know, a base to start on and it would get us back into shape defensively. And you know, would give the the you know the centre backs a little bit more help with the extra body in the back because we've looked all over the place over the last few games in that area. But I think as long as Roberto in goal, I still think we'll ship goals because not just for him on a personal level, but because he just inspires no confidence whatsoever in the back line and yep. it just forces everyone else into mistakes. Mm-hmm. But attacking-wise, I think I don't think it would be a bad idea either. We could potentially go two up top with, you know, like you say, Rice and someone else in the middle. Maybe Anderson in a more central hole and maybe Alain and Yarmolenko as a two. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Yarmolenko's played there quite a bit in the past for his old club in Ukraine, Kiev, and he's played there as well for Ukraine, so I don't think it'd be the worst idea in the world, and hopefully it would give Alain more support as well when attacking. Yeah, I I don't hate that idea either. I I do like the idea of basically getting the team in shape defensively just by adding an extra player back there and and then freeing up your attacking-minded fullbacks to you know, have the ability to go up the pitch and then if the ball gets turned over, it's not, you know, empty the tank to get back because there's no one else there. You know, you have that defensive midfielder plus an extra center back that hopefully can can step up there. I think that that's an interesting way to, to set the team up. I don't know if he'll ever do it. I kind of doubt it at this point, but what can you do? Um, all right, so we'll finish off the episode here with a couple Hammers Polls questions. Again, it's at Hammers Polls on Twitter. Uh, we'll start with this one. Uh, X... XWHU employee and Dave Walker uh, on this week's West Hamway podcast were talking about a couple choices to be the next manager and they Hammers pulls the narrative down just to two here Uh, would you prefer Marcelo Bielsa or Eddie Howe as the next manager to uh, the West Ham team here Jeremiah go ahead and go first Um, as much as I like Bielsa's passion and I don't know if you guys seen the uh the documentary on Amazon, the Leeds documentary. He's a very passionate, very uh, aggressive manager, but I like Eddie Howe. I think seeing what he's done from really nothing and seeing the players that, I mean, if you looked at our team and their team on paper, nine times out of ten, you're going to choose a West Ham player that would be better, at least on paper. Um, obviously, we've seen that's not the, hap- not the case in real life, but um, just seeing what he's done and seeing that the players that he's got to play well and his style of play, too, I think is uh, is definitely something to be kind of excited about. And if we had the option, yeah, I would definitely take him. Uh, all right, Lou, who do you got? Bielsa or how? Um, probably long term, you'd go with how. I mean, Bielsa is a kind of, I'm not sure exactly his age, but 64. He's a, he is a, 
60 football league he's a similar age to Pellegrini and as well as he's doing with Leeds and he's proven he can do it in England with that you know like coming up against sides like Burnley every week in that terms of football I think I'd like to start to look more long term now I'm not sure how would be that man I'd like in the long term because I'm not sure I'm not sure if he's capable. I'm not well. I'm not convinced he's capable of stepping up. I feel like he's in his comfort zone at Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. But out of the two, I'd probably pick Howe. I'm 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 with the Howe selection here as well. I I think also he's done it at the Premier League level and had stability with Bournemouth, a team that doesn't get a bunch of investment in it. But they're structured. They play well, uh, and you know they're hard to break down. And it also you know makes away games at Bournemouth a place you don't want to go or you're happy to escape with a point um, just because they play kind of a physical hard-nosed game I'm with I'm with with the, the how crowd here 1300 votes and 69% have picked how as well um, also he's 41 compared to 64 so I, I'm I'd want I want the next great one not the old great one if you know what I mean uh, but yeah what can we say um, Lou we'll start with you on this one on hammers chat sure. cup of tea uh, Gio uh, has said that you can see the board going for a cheaper manager option after getting burnt out on Pellegrini could you see former hammer uh, Chris Hooten coming on as the club's next manager would you be okay with that yes or no I you know I appreciate what he's done for other clubs you know, over the past decade or so, but there's a reason that he keeps finding himself jobless. And as well as he did with Brighton in his last job, for example, uh, they've sacked him, and you can see they're reaping the rewards with uh, Graham Potter now. They're playing a really nice, attractive style of football, which is a stark contrast to what they were playing under Hewton, where they were, you know a bit more pragmatic and didn't really have a go at teams as much as they are doing now. So I wouldn't want it. I mean, it would be another kind of Moyes stopgap at most kind of, uh, that's what it feels like. Yeah. Appointment till the end of the season. I, I wouldn't particularly want that, but I would prefer that over, you know, him staying here in the long term. Plus, he, he, he was a West Ham player for 32 matches, but he played almost 300 for Tottenham, so it's got a stink on him. What do you think <laughs> of Jeremiah? Um, I thought it was kind of unfair, I guess in a way, how he kept, he kind of kept Brighton up last season and then they let him go. Now, granted, yeah, they're playing a lot better this season. They look a lot smoother and they're attacking better. and um, Yeah, everything that goes in with that. But I, I do think he was... I think it was a bit unfair, but kind of like what you said, Lou, he's it's kind of not a very... It's not a very attractive style of football, and um, it would feel like another Moy situation. It might feel like another Big Sam situation of just bringing somebody in to kind of cover for the next couple months, and then we'll we'll find our next kind of guy, you know. And I think kind of past that, I definitely, you know, it's we've seen it. I mean, a lot in the last couple seasons, and uh, I think it's just yeah, maybe in the short term, like you said, but not long term. I mean, yeah, he, like you said, Adam, he's great. He he played a couple matches for us, but I mean, 
and kind of a bad stink, like I said, getting kind of left go. I didn't think he should have been left go, but you can see now why. And I think that just the kind of boring style of play is not suited for West Ham anymore. Hopefully not. And Hooten's also 60 years old as well. Uh, and and you look, he, he's basically. No, he looks good for his age. I was gonna yeah, say he, he looks, looks, looks completely different when you when you put him next to Bielsa as well because you know four years should not look that much of a difference on those two guys. Bielsa looks he looks rough, yeah. Uh, but then I just pulled up Graham Potter. He's 44 years of age, uh, mm. and played all across England uh, for many many years. So you know you, you see these these younger these younger managers coming in and, and having success. Um, this one's not from Hammers Pulls. I, I'm just curious. You guys, you guys can sort it out. Who would like to answer first? But who's your pick for if you could pick anyone to be the next West Ham manager? Who would it be that that you would select for that? Uh, you go first. I'll need to think. <sighs> can you repeat that one more time? You kind of cut out for I, me. I couldn't quite hear you. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give I'll give my answer first as well. Uh, so. Your okay. pick of of the of the run of the litter of of next manager for West Ham, and I I wrote a piece recently about why there's no reason for West Ham not to sack Pellegrini now because if you look at the fixture list, it's not going to get better come Christmas time. There's few points to be had in that in that you know in that list of fixtures there, so I don't know the pressure will be mounting. But for me, I, I would love to see the Cowley brothers after their uh, brief stint at, at Huddersfield Town this season and. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting one because you Danny Cowley is the manager there, but uh, he, his brother steps in and and it's basically a duo that that manages them. Nicky Cowley as well, and and you know you have the the age gap there. You have two minds. You have a challenging sort of self regulating system with two people there, and you also have different ideas coming into into play. One one is a former player as well, so um, maybe maybe both most former players. I'm I'm unsure, but. Uh, you have that, you have that youth again. Danny Cowley's forty-one years of age, so you know there, there's a difference to to what exactly you would get out of that dynamic. And I think that's something new and exciting. Having a tandem there, uh, I all remember Billich's <laughs> Billich's backroom staff of like eighty-year-old men smoking inside and like <laughs> rolling rolling up uh, on the sidelines. And then even now, you look at uh, Pellegrini; it just looks like his buddy that he likes to just talk to on the on the sidelines that sits beside him there. So, I don't know. I want to see something young, exciting, English based. I don't know. I'm like sound full Brexit here, but like I want to bring like the English back to West Ham here and like really instill that hard nosed Premier League style football. Uh, what do you guys think, there, Jeremiah? You know, I don't. I don't think it'll be any surprise to anybody that uh, I would pick the same thing that you do. Uh, <laughs> the second, uh, the second. I mean, the, the match wasn't even over yet, and you were seeing tweets come out on Twitter of you know uh, it's. Pellegrini's done. Who would you rather have? And I went straight to the the Cali brothers as well. I think everything that they've done so far, um, especially where they where they were at Lincoln City last, was that right? Yeah. Yeah, and and they brought them up from I, I believe it was the non-league football, and um, they played really. I mean, they've done well there. They've done well even in non-league football. They've kind of stepped up and kind of they're progressing up the ranks. And I think that maybe it would be potentially. I guess in the eyes of some people, a risk or maybe a step back as far as managers go, just because of Pellegrini's kind of resume and who he is. But realistically, I would love that, specifically that. Um, if it's somebody young, if it's somebody that has passion, um, then I, yeah, I don't really have a care who it is. But somebody young, somebody with passion. I mean, if it gets turned around and Pellegrini ends up doing okay, then I'm all right with that too. But, yeah, I mean, I guess the Cali brothers would be my pick. But real realistically, I don't really... 
somebody with young young and passion and you look you can look in america at all the different sports now and that seems to be the trend that's the trend with with all of the kind of major professional sports that are out there now is younger managers are coming in former players are coming in and kind of filling into those roles and that's exactly the person or the type of people that i would want lou who do you got yeah, I guess it's my job to be a contrarian. Now. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I guess that one name that keeps popping up is uh, Nico Kovac. He obviously just got mm. sacked from Bayern Munich. So if he came to us, it would be quite a bit of a step down, uh, you know, on his ladder. But he did a brilliant job at uh, Frankfurt. Which is, I guess, more of a, our level size of a club, uh, and I guess you know that could insinuate that he does well with an underdog rather than making the step up, kind of like Moyes liked all at Man United. Or, although Kovac obviously won the Bundesliga with uh, Bayern, and obviously wasn't as much as a failure as David Moyes, so. I don't really know why I made that comparison, but <laughs> <laughs> no. But obviously, he is still fairly young as well. He's only forty-eight, I think. So, we, if we could, you know, tie him down on a long-term deal, I think, I think he'd take us places. But the only problem is financially. You compare him to the Cowley brothers, who. You know, I don't think they'd really be on that much money considering where they've came from. Mm-hmm. I don't think the chairman would go through with it because, firstly, they would have to sack Pellegrini and that's a bumper payoff for him. Mm-hmm. And then Kovac would come in on, I'm guessing, wages probably just as big as Pellegrini was on. So I don't really think they would fork out... Uh, that kind of money. I, th- I think what you said about the Cowley brothers, I don't think uh, the owners would be that adverse to it, but probably more cynically based on financial reasons rather than the reasons that we're saying that, you know, they're exciting up and coming managers. And so they might get them in, but perhaps not, you know, for the same reasons that we would want them to come in. That's a fair point there. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll jump back to a couple Hammers Pulls questions and call it here. Uh, Talk Sport had Ginger Pele on here, and at that Walshy kid uh, had a, tw- a poll retweeted by Hammers Pulls that said, uh, putting love for Ginger's side, do you think we need him back at West Ham? Uh, and the three options are sign him up as Ginger, or sign up Ginger Pele, no, he's passed it, or offer him a coaching role. Uh, what, what do you guys have here for, for Ginger Pele? Yeah, I would. Uh... I bring him back as a coach, sort of a coaching role. Um, nothing against him, but I, I, you know, I think he's just kind of passed it at, at playing. You know, his passion was always there, and that's kind of what drove him and drove the players around him. But yeah, I would love to get him back as a coach. I love the idea of seeing some of these guys coming in um, to the academy. They're coming in and helping out in a different kind of role that are former players, and I think that just kind of builds. It built helps build that West Ham family around the club. It doesn't. It helps not maybe possibly break it down. So yeah, absolutely. I would love him back as a coach. What do you think, Lou? Yeah, I agree. The I think his legs were gone about five years ago, and he just managed <laughs> to hang on for a few 
a few more, you know, impressive years to be fair to him at his age. But he's 36 now, and he's barely played since he left us. So I, I don't think it would really be appropriate to bring him back. It'd be a bit like when we brought Carlton Cole back for the tenth time, <laughs> <laughs> and he was kind of just getting by. And you know, I think everyone decided it was for the best that he shouldn't really, you know, have come back. But and on a coaching capacity, I think it, like you say, it bring a lot of passion uh, back to the dressing room, and you know, as a as a as a very good defender, I mean, he he could hopefully teach Bob Wayne a thing or two about kicking balls out into Rosette <laughs> rather than <laughs> fannying around. So yeah, I think it's. I think he'd serve a purpose in a coaching role or along those lines. Yeah, I, I can see that as well. Maybe even get him in at the academy level to, to sort of reinstate that you know defense-first mentality and then bring him up. But how good does a managerial tandem of Mark Noble and James Collins sound mm-hmm. in 10 years' time? I mean, that's, Sign him up. <laughs> that's West Ham <laughs> through and through right there. Uh, all right, uh, we'll end with this one, and I think it's an interesting question as well. It was put out a couple of days ago, uh, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on it. Um, I'm going to eliminate one of the options, so I'm going to force us into answering this one here. But who is to blame for West Ham's mini slump in form? The players, the manager, or the director of football, Mario Husilios? Uh Jeremiah, who do you think is taking the brunt of the blame here? The, the fourth option was all the above, but we're probably all going to pick that one. So I want to <laughs> force us to, to stick to something here. Yeah, I'm going to... I think I've done it before, and I'll say it again. I, I blame, I even though the players haven't played with a lot of heart and passion, I blame Pellegrini 100%. Uh, whether it is poor selection, if it's not going to be him getting out there and getting aggressive and, and getting the players to play how they have the ability to play, whatever it comes down to, I mean, it falls on him. It falls on him to get players motivated. It falls on him to get going. I don't care that some of these guys make 100000 a week. Yeah, they, they're making a lot of money. They're probably making, they're making more than he is, but... The fact is, I mean, you still have to you have to get them to play, and if they're not going to play, then find somebody that is. So for me, it's a hundred percent on him. What do you think, Lou? Who who gets your blame? Yeah, I wouldn't go as far as hundred percent on him. Maybe ninety nine percent. But I think that players have to take some of the blame because at the end of the day, they're the ones who step out on the pitch. But I would generally agree that uh, Pellegrini has to take, you know, most. Of the blame over the, you know, since the Oxford defeat in the cup, and he's he's the one who makes the team selections. He's the one who decides the tactics, and I think when you compare him to say Klopp at Liverpool, who gets his players pumped up every single week from the first minute to the last minute. I think it shows what a top manager can do in that in that regard, and Pellegrini isn't really inspiring that kind of level of you know authority and inspiration at the minute. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a clean sweep here for for, for uh, <laughs> Pellegrini, and I think that's it. You know, you don't see him taking blame after the matches. You don't see him, uh, you know giving any sort of critical analysis. I don't know if you guys heard his. his comments after the match against Burnley uh he was asked how do you assess a game like this and he said well it's hard to assess the game because they scored a lot of goals something's not right 
It's yeah. like, whoa, man, like that's so <laughs> eye-opening. We, you should write a book. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it just, you know, there's, there's something that isn't clicking here. And I don't know if it's uh, he didn't understand, you know, the level of the play the Premier League's changed since he's gone, if he's just lost it since he's been in China for a little while. I don't know if the, it's just the lack of motivation. But, yeah, I don't know if you can look at anyone else. The players, I guess, you know, on paper, they're better than a lot of these teams they're playing. But they just seem to have no direction on the pitch. And, again, that falls on the manager. Uh, this question, 50% chose all of the above, but 29% was the next highest at the manager. So we're all right on this one, and that's a, a beautiful way to end the episode here. Uh, gentlemen, any final thoughts and words? Are you happy that we're not watching West Ham this weekend or what? Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's going to be good to take a little break. I mean, I I like watching it, but, yeah, it's, it's time for a break, and hopefully they can kind of reconvene and, and get things going the right direction. Lou, you excited yeah. to have a not depressing weekend? <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but no. Uh, yeah, it'll be nice to have a week off, and I think we can come back stronger, you know, and get ready for the Spurs match after everyone's come back and regalvanize after the international breakup, and we can try and start off on a clean, clean slate. Absolutely, yeah, and, and you know, there's, there's. Nothing better to set a new streak on, on its way than beating Spurs. So I think we're all pumped up for that one. We'll be back next week to actually preview that match. But until next time, come on, you Irons. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.